being a world changer. Amen? You know, it's, it's a funny thing about being a world changer because everybody wants to be a world changer. Everybody wants to change the world. It's, it's inherently within everybody to want to change the world. And that tells us something, or it should tell us something at least, that just the fact that we want to change the world reveals that there's something that needs to be different than what we currently see. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't believe Adam and Eve wanted to be world changers. They just wanted to maintain what God had already given in their possession. But Adam and Eve were the only ones that ever came onto this planet without the desire to change what was around them. Everybody else that has come into existence since them has had this innate, inherent desire within them to change what's around them. That already identifies that something's wrong with, with what we're currently living in. Amen? That identifies something should be different here. We shouldn't talk that way. We shouldn't act that way. And things shouldn't look like this. And we shouldn't, you know, be held to these things, whatever it is. And so everybody wants to change what's around them. And so I want to identify tonight um, that that is actually a God-given desire that's actually given to you by God. And even people that are lost, have that desire. Now, they don't know what to do with it and can't do anything with it, but there is this desire within them, within every single person, to want to change what's around you, to cause it to look different. And look what Jesus says here. He's praying to his father about his disciples in John chapter 17. And let's start with verse 15. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. See, anyone that wants to believe that you've prayed a prayer that simply gives you access to another realm hasn't read this verse. If you got saved to leave the earth and go to heaven, then you don't know why you got saved. Jesus is literally praying to his father right here. And he is saying, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I'm not asking you this conversation that I'm having with you is not so that you can remove them from the planet. But yet that's what we believe Jesus went to the cross for. This is Jesus himself. This is the night that he's being handed over to his enemy. This is the night that he's being handed over to the Romans. And he's saying right here, I'm not praying, I'm not asking. If we could find out what that is so we can remove it, that would be awesome. He's not saying, I'm not praying that you would take them out of the earth, but yet that you would... Keep them from the evil one. So what is he saying? He's saying the reason why they're here is to be in the earth. Let's keep going. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And there's the key. There's the key. They're not of the world. They might be in the world, but they're not of the world. What's he saying? He's saying they are not from the world. What you are of determines where you came from is what he's identifying here. See, being from somewhere else qualifies you to change where you're currently at. Being from somewhere else qualifies you to change where you're currently at. 
Okay, so you're in a job that doesn't that 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 looks like the world. You are in a uh, environment that looks like the world. You're in a family situation that looks like the world, but you're not of that. You're not from the world. If you are from the world, you couldn't change it is what he's saying. If this was all that all the resource you had backing you up, then there's nothing you could do about it. Nothing you could change about it. But since you're not from the world, since you're not of the world, since you're not of the world, then you can change what's around you. That where you're from gives you the backing to change where you're at. Are you following with me? Stay with me here. There's technical difficulties and that happens all the time because it's in the world (laughs) but we are designed to change it because we're not of the world we can change technical difficulties so you're seeing it practically right in front of you amen so he's identifying that these disciples these men they have something inside of them that will allow them to change what's around them. I've placed something inside of them. See, Peter, James, and John, and Matthew, and Bart, all these men, they, he didn't pick them like they weren't aliens from another planet. They, they weren't like in the world but separated from the world. And so he went and found these people that, you know, are... Uh, you know, don't know anything about the world and don't know how the world works and, and they're completely clean. And so that's why Jesus went around and handpicked these men. Right. That, that's not who they were. It was because of what Jesus had placed inside of them that was going to cause them to change the world. Over in the book of Acts, uh, they said this about the disciples, that these men have turned the world upside down. Well, what was that? They became world changers because they're not of the world, as Jesus said, just as I am not of the world. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Now, that word sanctified means this, to separate. To separate and to designate for a specific assignment. So if you've got a bunch of something and you pull one of those things out and say, okay, I'm going to use this one specifically for this task. And so there's the answer. They're in the world, not of the world, and they are set apart even though they're in the midst of it. See, you can be in the midst of it and still change it. You can be in the middle of it. You can be right around the mess And be different than the mess. Look different than the mess. Talk different than the mess. Think different. And then by doing that, you change the mess. Anybody seen some messes today? Anybody seen some messes around here? Just go to Walmart. You see some messes. Amen. There's some messes at Walmart. I just, I I pick on Walmart and There's messes at Publix and there's messes at Target, too. They're just not as big of messes. You know, the messes are a little, they're cleaned up and in the corner a little bit. They do a little better job of hiding the mess and not attracting so much of the mess. I don't know. It's Walmart. I just, I pick on Walmart. And we have two of them here, too. So that just makes it even worse. (laughs) So I can walk into Walmart And be sanctified. See, sanctify is not this spiritual, super spiritual, religious term. It simply means I've been set apart for something. Even though I'm in the middle of it, even though I'm dealing with the same thing you're dealing with, I've got a different way of handling it now. Remember, like we said last week, talking about trials. Being a Christian doesn't excuse you from having trials. It changes how you go through the trial. Being sanctified doesn't mean that you aren't you're no longer in the mess. You're removed from the mess. It means that you're set apart while being in the mess. You view it differently. You have a different perspective. And now I know that what I'm in, I can change because of what's inside of me. 
Verse 18. As you sent me into the world. <laughs> Many people are thinking, well, a lot of Christians are thinking God's taking me out of the world. And he's saying, no, 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 other way around. I've actually sent you there. And you know what that word sent inclines? You know what that implies to me? That there's a purpose. Being sent somewhere means there's a reason why I've been sent. And look what Jesus says. Just as you sent me, I am sending them. Just as you sent me into the world. To do what? Change it. Jesus was the greatest, biggest world changer there ever was and ever has been, ever will be. He came to change stuff. And did he change some stuff? Absolutely. Did he change some healing? Did he change some sickness and disease into healing? Did he change some water into wine? Did he take a storm and turn it into a peaceful situation? He was all about changing what's around me. I mean, look at where he lived. Nazareth, Galilee, the places that he traveled, Bethany, Samaria, Jerusalem, right in the middle of all the mess. He wasn't like in some little town on the outskirts where he was removed from everything. I have been set apart. I am sanctified. I cannot go to Jerusalem. If you want healing, you must come to me. No, he went right in the middle of the lepers and said, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. You got an issue of blood? Come touch me. Come in the midst of the crowd, in the midst of the mess, and I will change your situation. <laughs> he didn't post up in some tent somewhere. He went right in the middle of it. Right where all of it was. When he prayed this prayer... He was in the middle of the mess. He was told by his disciples, do not go to Jerusalem. Because when you heal Lazarus, all that they've talked about doing is killing you. Because he did. He ended up having to hide out. Not hiding out to get away from everything. He had to hide out because they would have killed him before his time came. See, Jesus had some smarts, too. He wasn't just all super spiritual and you know, I'll just float through the crowd. He did what his father told him to do. And when his father told him, get out and go to Bethany and wait, he got out and went to Bethany and waited. But then the week came. Passover showed up and he said, it's time to go. Go into town. Get me a donkey that's never been ridden before. Tell him the Lord has need of it. And I'm going to ride right through the middle of town where everybody can see me. I'm going to go and I'm going to turn over some uh, money tables. I mean, he's in there making a mess. His life is on the line. He's right in the middle of the mess. Went right into the heat of the problem. Because he knew I'm here to change something. I've been sanctified. I've been set apart. I've been designated for assignment. There is something on my life. There's a calling and there's something I'm supposed to change and I have to get in the middle of it to change it. But now here's the danger and this goes all the way back to the Old Testament with the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. And Jesus, or not Jesus, God gave them a warning when they came out. He said, I'm going to take you into the promised land, the land that I have promised you. But there's a mess in there. <laughs> and I need you to go in and change the mess. But here was the warning he gave. Be careful that you don't become a part of the mess. See, the Hittites, and the Amalekites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites... They're all worshiping other gods. They're not worshiping the one true God. The God that's given you this land. And if you're not careful, you'll go in there and become just like them. Instead of changing them, they change you. That's exactly what happened. That's what the book of Judges is all about. God's people forgetting Joshua. Forgetting Moses, forgetting the Red Sea, forgetting 
where they had come from. And became what was around them. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Verse 19. He says, if you are of the world, if you are from the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Therefore the world hates you. Now again, there, there are some denominations, there are some religions that have taken this verse to the full extreme, and they have their own little Christian towns that they live in. Right? And they go to school with other Christians and go to work with other Christians and their kids play with other Christian families and they're only allowed to stay in these little secluded areas. They exist. Because God has chosen us out of the world. God has sanctified us. He has set us apart. We are not of the world. We're just in it. But when he says, I chose you out of the world, he's literally saying, I picked you apart from what was around you. But I picked you apart to send you. I chose you out of the world to send you right back into it and change it to be a world changer. I called you. I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. What he's identifying is, is there should be a remarkable difference. I saw this on uh, Twitter, I think it was, just the other day. Uh, a, a guy said, uh, if, if you tell someone that you're a Christian and they're surprised, you're not doing it right. <laughs> oh, here? You go to church? And then they want to find out what church you go to, because as long as you're allowed to talk like that, and drink that, and smoke that, and do that, and be with that person like that, I'll, I'll go to that church. That's all you got to do to get to heaven. Because again, that's, that's all that we've done is, hey, I said a prayer. I'm going to heaven. That's what we've dumbed down Christianity to. We've brought it right down to the level of every other religion out there. No different. And so Jesus is saying here, that when you get called out of the world and then sent back in, there will be a remarkable difference on your life that will become noticeable to the world. Now, it's a good difference. Because somewhere along the lines, someone around you is going to realize this needs to be different and you're the only one that can change it. God showed me this today because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. There's one time where he says, I am the light of the world. But then he goes on and he actually tells his disciples and the rest of believers, you are the light of the world. You are the light in darkness. We should be impacting the world like light impacts darkness. And there's no doubt about it. Is the light on? can't really tell. Now, when it's dark and the light comes on, you, have you ever noticed that darkness loses every time? It never stands a chance. Darkness does not stand a chance against light. You can never turn the light. You can't ever turn the darkness up when the light's on. Uh, it's, it's too much light in here. Uh, turn the darkness. Let's balance it out. No, you have to turn the light down. It's all control within the light. The darkness has no control. When we get in middle of darkness, they have no control over how bright our light shines. Only we do. <laughs> Sorry, God, it was just so dark. I, I just I couldn't seem to shine bright enough. No, that's on you. <laughs> that's on us. 
That's on the body of Christ. That's on Christians. That's on believers. Because darkness can never overcome. Darkness can never contain. It's all dependent on the light. You know, if it was pitch black in here, I could bring in different levels of light. I could light a match right here. And you would be able to see a certain sphere around me. My sphere of influence would be a certain size. And I could get a flashlight and get a little brighter. Then I could get in like one of those lights that mechanics use. They plug in. It's got the two beaming lights. But then we can flip on these lights and it illuminates the whole thing. It's all dependent on how much light is within us that determines the darkness that we send away. It's dependent on us. So we've got to get some light in us. Amen? Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Everybody wants to be a world changer. That's because everybody knows within themselves, whether subconsciously or consciously, that something needs to be different. You, you wouldn't want to be a world changer if everything around you was absolutely perfect. Period. That's why I said Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they didn't come into the world thinking, we're going to change the world. <laughs> what was there to change? It was perfect, man. I mean, everything worked for you. You just obeyed the Father, remained in submission to the King, and you had everything made. You didn't have to worry about anything dying. You didn't have to worry about a crop not coming up at the right time and you starving to death. You didn't have to worry about a roof over your head. You didn't have to think about the next meal. You weren't concerned about this week's paycheck. They were never concerned about, do I have enough in the tank to make it till Friday, or am I going to run out? They didn't have to worry about debt collectors calling them. They didn't have to worry about co-workers at work making fun. They never had to worry about any of that stuff. There was nothing to change. It was just to maintain. But now, God's called us to be world changers. Why? Because we want to get it back to Eden. We want to get it back to the way God originally designed it and intended it. We've got to be world changers. First John chapter 4. Verse 4, popular verse, John starts out saying this, You are of God. Little children. Of means that's where you came from. That's where you came from. Of gives you identity. Of, O-F, gives you identity. Because where you came from defines who you are. That's why he says you're not of the world. So quit trying to get your identity from the world. Jesus never let the world tell him who he was. Oh, he's one of the prophets come back from the dead. He's Elijah. He's John the Baptist. I mean, all that they could equate him to at best was some former prophet that had already died off. That was the best they could do. When he was the son of God. But he never let, he didn't hide his identity in the world. He hid his identity in the word. The word of God. Because when he came up out of the river. And when he was on that mount of transfiguration. God spoke. This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. His identity was was with his father was with what his father had already said. So you are of God. That defines where we come from. You come from God. A few weeks ago, we did a message on the nature of God. And this could easily tie right into that because until we understand the nature of God, we won't understand our nature. We won't understand who we are because that's where we came from. That's who we are. You are of God, little children, And have overcome them. Because why? 
He who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. Because of what's inside of you, you're different than what's around you. Because of who's inside of you, you're different than those around you. You stand out. You look different. And the world hates you. It's identifiable to the world. There's something different about you. At this church, you've heard me emphasize many times that we don't do church. We don't go to church. We are the church. You have to be the church. You know what's hurting the church today? Is that we're only in church at church. We're only the church at church. Yeah, I remember, you know, growing up, you know, especially in these southern states, we hold a high value for church property. (laughs) Well, I don't smoke on church property. I don't cuss on church property. They do the same thing in Texas. As long as you're at the address, the physical location, inside the building, or even in the grass or on the property in the park. But as soon as you got off that parking lot, boy, it's all open. It's all game. Got 15 cars rolling out of the parking lot. Windows rolled down, smoke pouring out. Couldn't wait to light it up. (laughs) Couldn't wait. And what they didn't realize was, You weren't at church property. You are church property. If you're smoking at your house, you're smoking on church property. If you're cussing your your co-worker out at work, you're cussing on on church property. You're always on church property. You are the church. It's not a place you go. I like to put it this way. The church came to. 2314 Highway 84 tonight. This is where we get to unite and come together in fellowship to learn. This is school. You're being educated so that when you go back out the door, you know what to do. You know how to change the world. We got to be the church. You are of God, little children. So it would help us out if we would learn who God is, because learning who he is will help us learn who we are. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. These kind of messages are always encouraging. Even for me as a pastor, I have to remember that. Especially for me. as a, It was actually easier for me to think this way when I worked outside the church. And I had no problem. Going to my job before I had a pastor title in front of my name and just think, I'm going to make influence today. Because that's why you have a job anyways. I know that we've always been taught that we have to go to school and get a good job to make money and take care of a family and buy a nice house and retire early. I know that's what we've always been told. But we are going to jobs every day to influence people there. Influence your customers, influence your co-workers, influence your bosses, influence, influence the people that work for you, influence vendors that come. Every single person you come into contact with, that is your sphere of influence. That's your world that you get to change. We want to change the world. We want to go to Africa and feed the orphans and go to Malaysia and do this and go to the Philippines and do that. Change your world. Go next door. Go to the boss that always treats you like junk and start walking in love instead of always having a smart response back. Start showing them what God looks like. When you receive the nature of God in you, it becomes, it should become more and more unnatural to be like the world. In fact, let me put it this way, and it's it's hard for us to grasp because this is the world that we live in and we're inundated with everything that we're around all day long. But when you get the nature of God in you, the natural 
should become unnatural. It should become second nature to cuss. It should become second nature. In fact, uh, I like the way Pastor Earl likes to call it. You're a freak of nature. You're a freak of nature because you're actually living according to a second nature. Nature. It should feel so uncomfortable to you because the nature of God inside of you is your number one nature now. That's who you are. Eventually, at some point in your walk with God, it should be more and more uncomfortable to do sinful things, to live the way you used to live. It should be weird, unnatural. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. I don't, I don't talk like that. And that was every other word in your vocabulary before you came into the kingdom. And now to say that one word is, oh, wow. But let me take it even further than just sin. How does the world look at money? And how does God look at money? How does the world look at sickness and disease? How does God look at sickness and disease? How does the world look at job loss? And how does God look at job loss? How does the world look at a family member that treats them poorly? And how does God look at a family member that treats them poorly? See, it's even outside of just sinful stuff. It's now knowing when to walk in love. It's now knowing uh, what to do with money when you know on the outside of you, this is what you used to do. Every time you got that extra dollar, you were doing it for something for you. But now we're finding out, we're asking ourselves, how can I influence the kingdom with these finances? Who can I help out? Who can I be an influence financially with today? I, I may have panicked and freaked out. When the flu season came around or allergies started showing up. But now it's nothing. Why? Because you have a different nature. And so it's second nature to operate in panic and anxiety. It's second nature to be selfish and greedy. It's it's second nature to walk in hatred towards someone that's hating you. Second nature. It's uncomfortable. Because we have a new nature, right? Second Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. With a new creature comes a new nature. And that new creature isn't something that was like something else that had been before. That new creature denotes something that has never existed before. So look what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Look, if, if you are going to become something that's never existed before, then we've got some learning to do. It's not automatic. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. One version says, do not be conformed to the patterns. What's that? Just the everyday lifestyle. Oh, I don't go to bars. I don't go to strip clubs. That's the world goes. No, just everyday lifestyles. Just everyday habits. Patterns. Do not be conformed. Become like the world. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if you had a nickel for every time you heard me say this, you would be rich. If I handed out nickels every time I made this statement, y'all would be wealthy people. And then you could tithe off of it and we can meet all the needs of the church. You don't change your life until you change your mind. We don't change anything around us until we change what's in us. And then be transformed to that. See, greater is he who is in you. Well, then I guess I better learn what's inside of me. I guess I better learn what I'm capable of. You got new powers. You know, we talked about extraordinary. Pastor Earl's doing a series right now down in St. Augustine called The Greater Ones and talking about all the, the different comic characters and the heroes with their superpowers that have all been sent to the earth from other places to do what? Change it. 
right? Russell Crowe told Superman he's going to be a god to those people. He's going to change the world. And guess what? You've been sent here from another planet with the nature of that planet. The nature from that world, that kingdom. And it's in you to overcome everything that's in this world. But how many of us get down here and we get underneath the very thing that we're supposed to be up above? That's why you're the head and not the tail. That's why you're above and not beneath. Because we're overcomers. We're more than conquerors. You have every resource. See, when it comes to finances, this government's not your resource. And that should be enough for you to jump up and down and run around the room right now because this economy is messed up. This healthcare system is messed up. I was on the phone for an hour and a half on healthcare.gov today. And 40 minutes of it was music. God never puts me on hold. He's never put me on hold. I have never called upon God and he says, Hey, y'all know what's coming. All of our representatives are busy right now. Thank you for holding. If you would like to fill out a survey, yeah, let's fill out a survey. You ain't reading it anyways. Let's waste my time. It's all messed up down here. But then the sad part is we got believers that are underneath it, bound to it. Well, you got such a greater health resource. The health care plan of the kingdom will never fail you. There's no deductible. There's no co-payment. It's all on him. It's been paid. The price has been paid. By his stripes, we are healed. The payment has been submitted. There's no out-of-pocket costs. You just trust. In God. I don't know about you, but I would rather have the backing of the kingdom than anything on this planet. And I wouldn't want to be tied to anything. If this was my resource, you would look just as pathetic as everybody else on this planet who's relying in it. And that's not downing anybody. That's just identifying that we are to be world Changers. We are to identify to people there's something better than what you're in right now. But how do we do that when we're bound by the same things they are? How do we do that when we complain about the same things that they're complaining about? How? I'm thankful that I don't have to rely on an hour and a half phone call if I were to break something or if I were to get sick because I have a God that is right there immediately hears me every time I pray every request and he's already paid a price and he's just waiting for something to happen for me to use it I'm in the world but I'm not of it I'm not of it so we got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind transformed to what transformed into what's inside of you Because when you transform what's inside of you, you'll transform what's around you. Amen? Now look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul identifies here. Paul identifies here. There should be an identifiable difference between the world and you. Verse 17, he starts off, Therefore... Do not be unwise. Wait, are we where we need to be? I'm sorry. 4. Ephesians 4. 17. Ephesians 4. 17. You don't need to be unwise. Okay, so that was a good (laughs) sentence to read. That was for somebody here. God never messes up. I messed up. 
But he can he can take it and he can turn it into. Therefore, do not be unwise. Oh, I needed that. I was unwise today, but I need some wisdom. We all need some wisdom, amen. But Ephesians chapter four verse seventeen that actually talks about what we're talking about right now. And he says this: This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk or live as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Gentiles referring to the world. In the futility of their mind, emptiness of their minds. We shouldn't have empty minds. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of the heart. I mean, look at these words that he's using. Futility of their mind. Lack of of understanding, ignorance, blindness, that all refers to your head. If we don't learn to renew our minds to the kingdom, we'll live like the world. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so what? Learned. Learned Christ. That comes by renewing your mind. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, former conduct. So there's a way you used to live. But if you put that off and put on something different. That you put off your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's important that he said righteousness and holiness. Because righteousness is what takes place on the inside, but holiness is what shows up on the outside. So he says, you shouldn't just be changed on the inside. You should allow what took place on the inside to show up on the outside. Righteousness and holiness. You've been made righteous, now be holy. You are righteous, now be holy. Righteousness is who you are. Holiness is what you do. Holiness is the action that follows the position of righteousness. So our actions, our lifestyle, our living, it should be identifiably different than the world. Do not walk like the Gentiles do. Do not live like the world lives. There should be something different. There should be something within you because that is how you change the world. Change your world. Change your world. We all need to look inside and say, okay, I can't change anything around me if I'm not changed within me. That means you got to take care of you. You got to take care of yourself. We've got to get one-on-one with God and say, God, what are you wanting to change and tweak in me, because if I can get that change within me, then I can change what's around me. God's He's placed greatness within us. He's placed the power within us. He's placed the resource within us. But the exciting thing about it is it's not just for you. See, that, that would be great in and of itself if God did something for us, for us. But he did something for us so he could work through us. Paul said, I am an ambassador of Christ. An ambassador is one that is sent. Sent gives you purpose. Being sent somewhere gives you a reason for existing. If you want to think that you just happened to show up here, well, guess what? 
you just lost your purpose. If you just happen to show up somewhere, then you have no purpose for being there. And most of those people end up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But we just didn't happen to show up here. We're like Jeremiah. I knew you while you were in your mother's womb. I gave you a purpose. I gave you a destiny before you were even a thought in someone's head, before you were even uh, had a name, before people were trying to determine if you were going to be a boy or a girl, before they were trying to figure out the paint color on your walls, before they were trying to figure out how much you were going to weigh when you came out. You had already had a purpose and a destiny about your life. I already knew what you were going to do. I already knew because I have sent I mean, think about it. If the whole goal is for us just to get to heaven, then why is he still sending us here? Why is their baby still being born? Why are they still showing up? Because there's a kingdom to advance. There's impact to be made. There's influence on somebody's life. I was listening to this speaker the other day that was talking about this one old man that he was, I believe it was Australia, Sydney, Australia. And he had set this goal because he had gotten born again and realized, I need to share this with everybody. And he had set this goal that he was going to tell 10 people a day. If you didn't know, if you died today, would you know that you were saved? Would you know that you'd be the Lord? Blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he did this over and over and I don't remember exactly how it played out but all these different people from all different walks of life said that they had gotten the same they had gotten saved down some back alley in Sydney Australia kept telling the same story over and over and over and this old man never knew that any of these men actually got saved actually went on to do things and a lot of them were high up one of them was a diplomat for some country I mean he came into contact with all these people and so right before this man died this this other guy went to him and said I've talked to all these people and they said that they got saved and that you were the one and two weeks later, he died. Up until the last two weeks of his life, he never had any idea of the influence he was making on people's lives. I think they had told it up and they said that he had witnessed to, because he said he did it every day of his life for so many years, 10 people a day. It was over 144,000 people that he had said that statement to. That in turn, what's that? It's just making an influence for the kingdom of God. And you may never see it. You may never know. You may be planting seeds with someone today. And it may be 10 years before it comes up. You know, we're getting ready to, to do a big mail out and, and, and hanging door hangers on people's doors about our Easter service. And I believe we're going to have a great turnout for it. But I also know this, that I'm planting seed. Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine is now 10 years old as of this year. And three years ago, when we celebrated our seventh anniversary, we had someone show up that said, I came and visited you when you were in Gamble Rogers your first year. It took them seven years to finally come and really get plugged in. God doesn't discard seed. We don't just go after fruit. We just don't go after it when the tree is big and full. We go after the seed. And we value the seed. We value the investment because we know what the seed can, we know what can happen. I remember Pastor Earl's got, you know, one of the greatest testimonies of when he was at Bible school and he was working this, this job, a, a warehouse job, third shift, working all night. And there was this one guy that said, before, before you leave here, you're going to go to the strip club with me. They went to a strip bar when they got out in the morning. I don't know who does that. You've got to be pretty desperate at 7 o'clock in the morning to go to a strip club. 
pastor said, no, but by the time I leave here, you'll get saved. And all the way up to his last day on the job, the guy came to him and said, my wife's leaving me, taking everything, taking the kids. Tell me about this God that you serve. See, you might want to shy away when they're making fun of you. You might want to shy away when it's not so popular. But one day, when they get a report that they're losing their job, when the doctor comes and says, there's no cure, you'll be gone in six months, guess who they're coming to? The light. If you don't reveal to them that something's different about you today, they won't come to you later when they need something different. We're world changers. Amen? It requires boldness. requires audacity. requires faith in God that He's going to show up every time because it's not about me anyways. It's about what He's doing through me. But light doesn't shy away. Light doesn't uh, you know, duck and cover. Light comes right out and says, here I am, now let me show you how to get out of here. And we're going to be world changers. Amen? Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this word. Father, you have changed us inside so we could change the world around us. We thank you for change. Some people don't like change, but we love change. Because it's why you came. It's why you're here. It's why you have sent us to create change. Father, I pray that we make an impact. Having an impact and and making influence. That we make that a priority in our life. That we don't just go through our daily life just trying to take care of ourselves. But we go through our lives every day just analyzing and looking for opportunities to influence people around us. It may just simply be comforting someone that seems to be having a rough day. It may take us standing up and saying, no, I I don't stand for that kind of thing. It may take us sharing the gospel with somebody. It may take us obeying you when it seems hard and difficult to obey. But Father, whatever it is, it's going to make influence. It's going to leave a lasting impact on somebody. Father, I thank you that you have sent us. You've given us a purpose. You've given us the design and a destiny. And I thank you that we live that out, knowing that the nature of God is inside of us. The nature of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. We are not of the world. We are of God and we have overcome the world. There's nothing in this world that can keep us down. There's nothing in this world that can bind us up. But we have been sent here to change it and make an impact for the kingdom of God. We thank you for that tonight. We thank you that you're moving in our lives so that we could change the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.